Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. Great to have you here. Now, I'm so excited to be talking to our guest today, Clint Salter. Now, uh, after starting out flipping burgers at the age of 14, Clint's moved on to flipping businesses, and indeed, he's sold three so far. But what really interests me about Clint, and I think will interest you too, is how he's taken the concept of niche marketing into something of a fine art. Now, Clint, from what I can see, you are the go-to guy for anyone in or considering getting into the dance studio business. So, look, thank you so much for joining us. And how the heck did you end up here? (laughs) Well, firstly, thank you so much, Rob, uh, for having me on the show. I'm a big fan. I'm an even bigger fan of flying solo. So Uh appreciate you reaching out and saying, hey, will you talk to us? Oh, that's so good. And look, we we did first meet... um, when was it? I think oh, it must be about six or eight years ago. You came to one of our Flying Solo Live events, and um, I didn't realize it, but I think that had quite an effect on you. It certainly did. Look, it was, I think it was 2009, okay. uh, and I had a business uh, called Dance Life. It was an online magazine for dancers and performers and a, and a dance competition here in Australia. And I was sitting there, and this blonde woman bounced onto the stage with JLo's Let's Get Loud. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. And that was, was that was Terry Hawkins at the end of the <laughs> day. It sure it? was. It was Terry Hawkins. Yeah. And that 90 minute really transformed uh, the way I thought about business and also showed me, wow, you know what? Like I can really do anything that I want with my life and my business. So I want to thank you for putting on that event. Uh, And Terry and I are great friends now. She's coming to speak at one of my events in Las Vegas in February. And so without without that, without Flying Solo Live, I, I don't know if we would be talking today about what I've built since that experience. Wow. Isn't, well, that's that. Look, that's terrific. And thank you for that uh, wonderful free ad on our own podcast. It's <laughs> fantastic. So, look, you now I've say so I've I've known you and followed you for a while, and I've known that um, you know you're you're clearly someone who's very skilled at marketing. And you, um, you know, you when I first sort of came across you, I think you were you were kind of doing marketing for you know most people. Um, yeah, and yeah. but you you've always had this passion for dance. So could you just share with us how where did this passion come from, and at what point did you decide you know what I'm going to go all out for this area and this area only? Yeah, for sure. So I started uh, you know growing up in primary school. I come from a musical family. My cousins love singing and dancing. My nan played piano and sung and you know everyone thinks they're a little bit of a superstar in our family. My mum's one of six. Um and so lots of cousins. I'm an only child though and uh, look, yeah, I was in choir and then one day after choir, my friend said, you should come to dance group. And I was nine years old. And so I went along to dance group and I kind of went home to mum and I was like, I'm in dance group. And she's like, can't you go and play football? Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to make life pretty hard for yourself if you're going to do all of these things at school. And look, it was, it was hard. I was, I was bullied and, 
Um, and I would never take that back because I think one of the things that that really built inside of me was the resilience muscle. And oh, I okay. think that that's a muscle that every business owner needs that, you know, wants to break the mold, that wants to be innovative, that wants to do things that aren't the norm. So I'm so grateful for that experience. And then I started mm. dancing and um, at the age of 14, my dance studio um, that I was at, she sold her business right. to someone else um, that no one kind of really liked. Right. And we had parents, uh, you know, I had parents coming to me saying, well, you've been teaching. I'd been student teaching for, you know, a couple of years. This, you were uh, 14. So I was 14 when I started assistant teaching oh, okay. and then I was 16 when I opened the dance studio. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, 16, opened the dance studio with a friend uh, and just kind of, you know, young, naive, delusional, uh, why not start a little dance studio in a community hall? And right. and so that's that's how uh, that's how it started. But my nan was a teacher. I was really close to my nan before um, she passed away when I was sixteen, and so I feel like I really got the teaching gene from her. Yeah, I, okay. I loved teaching a lot more than I loved actually dancing and performing and and being on stage. How fantastic! So it, this is you know, and it's not often I speak to somebody who got kind of bitten that early, but clearly you did, and and it sounds to me you were doing it not so much, well, at 16 anyway, not so much through the eyes of a business owner, but through the eyes of, <laughs> of someone who's just passionate about dance. Yeah, I just, and, and which is what most dance studio owners are now. I mean, mm. you know, I was just, I was like, I love teaching. I love the students. I didn't so much love the parents all the time, but, you know, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed doing it. And, and so we kind of went in it. It was what I call a hobby studio. We started with 30 students our first year in the tiniest kind of community hall, which was in not a great area. You know, people would like bang on the shutters at like eight o'clock at night when we were still dancing and scare us. And it, it wasn't amazing. But look, you've got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's where we started. And um, I had the dance studio with my friend for five years and we built it up and I went into we went into our own premise and then I sold my half of the studio to her when essentially we wanted different things from the business. Because, you know, 16 to like 21, there's a lot of growth that happens oh, yes. you know, in those ages. And for both of us, she was 18 when we started, so two years older um, than me. And she was fantastic and passionate as well, but we just wanted different things for the business. Yeah, okay. So, so meantime, school has kind of start, ended and finished and, and you've, just, you've carried on. So now – yeah. Here you are in this business, but then am I right? Uh, and this is total guesswork, but my my impression of you is then that you you kind of moved slightly away from dance and, and thought, okay, I'm really good at marketing. I'm going to I'm really good at helping businesses. I'm going to move in that direction. Is that kind of way? You so ne yeah, nearly. That happened eventually. I mean, before that stage, though, I ended up. Um, getting a job as an agent at the Harry M. Miller Group, which is oh, a okay. celebrity agency. So I was working and, you know, learned so much uh, through that business, through Lauren, who was the CEO uh, of the company when Harry slightly stepped away from it. Yeah. And just, you know, it was just the best training ground in the world. Started as the Big Brother coordinator, managing uh, Big Brother housemates, you know, organizing their nightclub tours. <laughs> um, 
and stepped up then to be an agent and had my own roster of uh, clients to look after doing licensing deals, speaking deals, television deals. And so an awesome, uh, an awesome training ground for anyone wanting to work in entertainment and mm. with big personalities, Let me just Sure. And let, let me just put you on the spot here. What particularly did you learn from that period of time? The one thing I really learned, I believe I learned from that was people management and building relationships. Okay. Because in that business, you've got to build a relationship quite quickly with your client because you're essentially like given a client. Yep. Like here is here is your client that you're looking after and you're like, hi, you know, and that client has expectations. They already have a high profile. They're highly skilled. A lot of the time they were very creative and they knew what they wanted. And then mm. I had to go out and build relationships with television networks, producers, marketing directors of brands for endorsements, um, you know, production companies around, you know, pilots of TV shows to then build a relationship with them so that when they had an opening, I could put my client forward and it was more favorable hopefully that we would get the deal because i'd built kind of a relationship with yeah. them gosh that so, must have been i mean how, how far back is this this was so i started the agency when i was 21 uh and i left there after i did five years there before i went on to jersey boys wow so what a fantastic training ground i mean you must have been surrounded by some of the you know, liveliest and biggest kind of egos in in Australia, I should think. Yeah, that for must have taken quite a bit of tightrope walking for uh, you. A little bit, and I'm and um, although I'm I'm super kind of direct, um, and but I don't take things on too personally, and I think that's one of the the greatest qualities as an agent is nothing is a personal attack on you because I think once you start feeling like they're attacking me personally, um the relationship can break down really quickly. Mm. Uh, funny that you say being surrounded by, you know, amazing people. Um, you know, Ita Buttros, who is one of the mm. most amazing women in this country who does so many things for, um, you know, for, for so many charities. Yep. Um, she's on Studio 10. She's she's awesome. And I remember like my, my second or third day in, she rang and I was like the gatekeeper, you know, the, yeah. the, the office staff member, the receptionist. And I had no idea who she was, right? I was like 21. I was like, I don't know who this is. Who's this and person so with I, this odd name? I know. I literally asked her like a hundred questions for her to get through to Lauren. And then yeah. Lauren came out to me and she's like, we need you to study our client list. <laughs> That's Ita Buttros, and she's one of our very important clients. Right. Um, and so that was really funny because I came in c kind of naive and, and not knowing who these who these people were, which I think also was was quite a good thing. Yeah, okay. Um, and I bet, I, I bet you went on to build a good friendship with her as well, did you? She's, yeah, she she's amazing. I mean, mm. such a, you know, so, so giving, very, very clever though. You know, mm. and has has pioneered so many. Uh, you know, obviously with the magazine industry here, yep. um, and is just such such an icon. So you know, getting to kind of know her and and work a little bit on on some of her projects along with Lauren, mm. who was our CEO, um, was just brilliant. I mean, that was for me. That was one of the the times those five years there. I truly believe have have really shaped. The, the person and, and the business owner that I've that I've really become. Yeah. Okay. So you've had 
you've had this period in your sort of from 14, 16, 18 that you're running your own first business and an almost slightly sort of accidental way. You know, somebody there's a, here's an opportunity. You kind of grabbed it. Yeah. And you, now you've gone into this, um, this wonderful business and got all this experience with these people. So I can imagine by your sort of mid-20s, you've got quite a unique skill set. So what did you, what did you do with it next? Um, so during my time at, at, at Harry and Miller, you know, I was working full time there, but I was itchy to do something my, on my own as well. And so I created Dance Life uh, two years into that. I was 23. It was started as an online magazine for dancers because what I saw in the market, I was still very connected to dance and love dance. And what I saw was like, wow, there's TV shows starting about dance. Mm you know, dancing with the stars. So you think you can dance was coming out. And I was like, you know what? There's no real online network community to bring dancers together, to tell them what's going on in the industry in Australia. And so <laughs> I started Dance Life. It was a, you know, online, lots of content, articles, interviews with dancers, overseas dancers, choreographers. And I also brought on board 20 contributors to write monthly articles for us as well. So, you know, a little bit similar to what Flying Solo is, sure. but for dancers. And what was your model? Where was your revenue? Yeah, so what when I started, I was like, I'm going to build a directory like the Yellow Pages for Dance Studio, uh, you know, for dancers. And yeah. so I was going to be advertising dance studios, places to get trophies, costumes, venues for concerts, um, and it didn't kind of work. Okay. So. Because uh, we know it's a bit of a marketplace, right? A directory is a marketplace. We need two people. We need the, uh, you know, the mass, the dancers, the dance parents coming to the directory, and then we need people paying to list themselves on the directory. Sure. And I had a lot of trouble even getting people to fill out the free version of mm. the directory. And so we kind of persisted on that. And it was just kind of me working on it after hours, you know, after my job early in the mornings, cause I was still at the agency and I started building an email list and someone came to me, one of the directory people said, I'm not interested in the directory, but can I send an email to your database? And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Okay. Here's um, something you hadn't seen. No. And I was like, I was like, oh, well, we have a newsletter. You know, I was just sending out kind of a random newsletter every whenever I felt like it. Yeah. And then I was like, maybe there's something here. You know, I was, you know, again, I was 20, you know, 23 or 24 now. Mm. Um, and so we started doing a newsletter and we started getting advertisers in the newsletter. And we started, you know, this is when, you know, banner ads and stuff was still really big as well. And we started selling, you know, display advertising. Sure. And how, who's this going to? This is going to people who ran dance schools. Yeah. Well, it's going to dancers, dance studio owners, dance parents. So oh, okay. everybody, dance, yeah. yeah. Everyone in the dance kind of space that wanted to know what's happening in the dance industry within Australia. Okay. Um, and so built that up and then I always wanted to run a dance competition. And so I'd been, I had judged lots of dance competitions. I was in a lot of dance competitions when I was learning how to dance. And I felt like the model was really old fashioned. You know, if you can kind of picture a school hall with a, a grumpy, you know, person saying, be quiet, no cheering, no talking in the hall. You know, it was <laughs> very kind of old fashioned and it was competitive. Like people would walk in and like that studio didn't like that studio, didn't like that studio and no one would talk to each other. And I was like, you know what? This like, is all wrong. 
this is wrong. Like this yeah. should be about like coming to a competition should be about performing. It should be about collaborating. It should be about inspiring each other. And I was like, why can't we, they do it in America. I was like, why can't we do this? And so I went out to create a dance competition. I called it Dance Life Unite, which was about, you know, bringing, bringing people together and that was the biggest win in terms of, a, a, you know, bringing in revenue into the company because, look, Dance Life itself, you know, wasn't making us a lot of money through advertising. We were right. doing all right, but it's not like I could have left my job and just lived off that and paid my rent and ate and, you know, lived sure. the lifestyle that I wanted. You were kind of onto something, but it wasn't yet um, yeah. a viable business. Yeah, totally, totally. And and I liked it, but you know, I don't love didn't love writing back then and I was like there's something else here and so as soon as I got onto the competition, I was like this is a winner because you know the revenue streams are sponsorship, people entering their dance studio like so their routines, they pay a fee, people coming through the door to mm. watch, they pay a fee. Um, and so it was a really, it was a really profitable model and it was, and no one had seen an event quite like it. Can I just ask you there? So sure. do you consider yourself someone who's kind of very sharp when it comes to finding revenue or are you driven more by the world needs this? Um, a little bit of both. I always ask myself three questions whenever an idea pops up. I always say to myself, how much money am I going to make? How enjoyable is this going to be? And how many, how much resources, like how many people am I going to need to make this happen? Okay. So I kind of always go through those, those three questions whenever, because you know, we're, we're bombarded with ideas every single day and sure. I'm thinking of them every single day as well. <laughs> and so I always kind of run through the filter and it needs to tick at least two of those boxes before we explore it further. Okay. So, that's, that's a, that's a good little model. Right. So I definitely though do look at like, what do we need? I look at what's what has gained traction, um, what's doing well. Um, I don't kind of go, what doesn't exist at the moment? I never think about that, right? Yeah, I'm never okay. thinking about what doesn't exist. You know, I'm not going to, I'm confident, I'm pretty confident I'm not going to create the next Uber or Airbnb, right? Yeah. But I don't want to. No, look, I that's just, such a, I'm just going to pause you there again. That's sure. just for our listeners. That's such a good point is that you're not looking for the unique that's what you're. What's what I kind of hear you saying is what you're. Yeah. What you're seeking to do is see opportunity or do things that other people are doing, but do it considerably better. Yes, which is absolutely that's the kind of the sweet spot of business success, isn't it? I think those yeah. people that are rushing around trying to find something completely new, <laughs> you know, rarely do. It's just, it's such a yeah. difficult path. And that's the thing. And I and I think like look at you know look at what's work you know look at what's working. And so mm. what I find that I'm very good at. And and we've done it a few times now is, okay, you know what, this industry, and, and it's always in dance and entertainment, um, you know, to date, and I'll look at something and go, okay, this is what's happening. This is what people are liking. This is what people are complaining about, you know, with that service or going to that thing. And then I'm like, how can we make this a better experience? And like the customer ha has always probably never more than now, you know, is always at the heartbeat of our business. Yep. Um, and so we're always, and, and my whole team, I'm really lucky. We've got a fantastic team. And, you know, one of our values is, you know, the customer is our heartbeat. So how can we make sure that we are giving them the best experience 
every single time, you know, and, and every Monday in our team meetings, we're always talking about customer experience. Mm. I wonder how much of that is due to the fact that, you know, at your the core of your very being from your, you know, from a very early age, and when you described your, your family and your wider family, is you are an entertainer. You yeah. know, you, you've come from that background. And, and in that, it's absolutely, literally about heartbeat, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's how can mm-hmm. I get people's heart beating? How can I get people excited? And it seems that that absolutely drives you through everything you do. But tell me, is there, you've, you're, you're in this beautiful niche, and we'll, we'll sort of unwrap it a little bit more in a moment. Sure. Just, do you ever get a little voice in your head that's saying, oh, should I be looking over here? And I'm doing all this, but what about that? Yeah. Now, how, and how, do you quell, <laughs> how do you quell that sort of voice? Well, I, di- you know, I did. And so uh, let's just kind of fast track. So, mm. you know, we, I had dance life. I was an agent, you know, for five years. And then I got offered a job to be the touring manager for Jersey Boys, the musical. Mm. And like I had always, like I went to New York a few years before and I met with agents and, um, you know, producers. And I was like, I want to work in musical theater. Cause I love musical theater. I would go like literally when I go to New York, I will go and see like a show every day. Uh, and like I did like nine last time I did like nine days in New York and I saw like 12 shows. Cause you catch a matinee as well <laughs> by that though. I was like delusional. Um, but I love musical theater. And so I was like, you know what? I'd love to be in this space. I came back home, I started talking to some producers here. Two years later, I get an email saying, hey, Clint, we've got an opportunity for a company manager for Jersey Boys. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that show. Let's talk. And we talked. And it took about a week for us to kind of meet and go, yes, I I want this job. But then I had some hard decisions to make because a touring company manager, it's essentially a a seven-day-a-week job. Mm. I wouldn't have time to run Dance Life. I obviously had to leave being an uh, an agent. And I felt like I was kind of ready after five years to tackle a new adventure. So I sold Dance Life um, to Chris Duncan, who runs it now and has built the business. And I occasionally do some consulting to them, which is really nice because it's I still feel like it's my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and went on to Jersey Boys, but quickly realized after nine months that this was not the dream job that I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, and that was really tough because I, I thought like this was it. You know, I was going to be a touring manager and then I was going to start producing shows and uh, it was really kind of difficult. I, you know, I was in Auckland with the show and I was like, and I just, you know, my appendix burst while I was in Auckland, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, crazy story. But yeah, my appendix burst and there was a couple of health things. And I was like, you know what? Um, I don't think I'm me. meant to be here. Mm. I don't think I'm meant to be here. Um, and so I ended up cutting cutting it short and just said to the producers, look, I'm, I, this is not right for me. Um, and so I left, you know, I left the tour after nine months and I took six months off to just, re- I hadn't had six months off since, you know, I worked at McDonald's when I was nine, t- you know, 14 and nine months. Um, you know, I'd never really taken time off to find a, a true identity. My identity had always been wrapped in my business, you know, right. what I was, what I was doing, not who I was. Um, and I think that's okay for someone young that's kind of driven and ambitious and, you know, wanting to change the world. But I was like, you know what, I need, I need some time for me, mm. you know, to kind of figure out what this looks like next. Okay. So how did that sort of manifest? What did that look like? Um, it was pretty disastrous actually. 
you know, I, I broke up with my partner. I, you know, didn't have a, I, I wasn't homeless, but like I was trying to look for a place to live. Um, I then got really bored after about two months, you know, of like, I was going to take six months off and then I'm like, I am so bored. Like, what am I going to do? And I ended up, um, this sounds like quarter life crisis or something. Yeah, kind of, kind of like, uh, what was I 27? Right. I think it's about 27. Um, and I, I, I had so many single girlfriends at, at that point and, um, they kept coming to me, you know, telling me about, you know, there's no decent men in Sydney and all the rest of it. And I, so I don't know, I had this weird idea of creating a matchmaking agency. So mm-hmm. here you go. Here's a left field idea, yeah, okay. right? Had this idea to create a matchmaking agency, which was more kind of like holistic, uh, you know, based around, you know, women, but getting all of the areas of their life um, kind of more sorted. So, you know, the stylist, the life coach, the nutritionist, kind of more boutique. Mm, because okay. it was, you know, everything was online, you know, uh, all the apps were coming out. And I was like, you know, people are like kind of crying out for a more kind of tailored service. And there was a couple of matchmaking agencies um, in Sydney. Anyway, I just kind of started thinking about an idea. And I um, wasn't 100% on it, but I ended up um, emailing the general manager at the time at RSVP, which is owned by Fairfax, um, which is the big online dating site here in Australia. And I said, hey, I've got this idea. Didn't know who she was. I was like, hey, there, I've got this idea for a matchmaking agency. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about it to see how we could work together. And she wrote back straight away and saying, yeah, come in on Friday. Let's talk about it. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? So I went in and met her. I told her and she's like, look, look, Clint, this sounds great, but I, I don't want to do anything with it. But you have run events before and our singles events have died, like have really, really died. And we're looking to rebuild them because, you know, the apps and the online have kind of taken over. So no longer do people need to go kind of out to an event to meet someone. They can just do it from their couch, you know, with a packet of Tim Tams. Sure. And so, so she's help like, us, Clint. You- She's like, would you be interested, like, coming in two days a week and helping us rebuild our singles events portfolio? And I was like, that sounds fun, you know, because I was bored. And so I was like, that sounds fun. And so I went in there and had the best time of my life. I was meant to be there for, like, I don't know, three months, and I stayed nine months and ended up being three days a week. And, like, within that three months, you know, we built their revenue, like, by over 300% with their live events because what I started to introduce, again, looking at the market, seeing all these like trashy events that people do. And I was like, why don't we introduce high ticketed price experience events, cooking classes, bowling, hiking. And so Mm. I kind of broadened their, um, I kind of broadened their offering, but, but made it more boutique. And we still did the this Saturday night at, you know, City Tats on, on Pitt Street. Sure. But, you know, I made them bigger and we brought in sponsors and we had a live band. And So it um, sounds to me you were having an awful lot of fun uh, happily oh at, at someone else's expense. And, totally. um, yeah, and learning so much on the way. Yeah. So what did you then do with that? <laughs> so after that, I then was like, you know what? I kind of like this consulting gig. Um, and I went to a couple of events and I went to a thought leaders event with Matt Church. Yep. 
And there, um, and I'd known of Matt for a little while through one of my friends, Emma, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I kind of went along to kind of say, what is this thought leader thing? You know, make a million dollars, climb up the ladder to black belt. And I was like, this sounds really cool by like consulting and mentoring. So I went to learn more about that. And there I met uh, a woman called Christina Guidotti, Mm -hmm. um, who had kind of just started about a year before her thought leader journey and, and being a thought leader mentor. Anyway, about six months later, I ended up working with her to start uh, kind of creating my own IP, my own intellectual property around really marketing, how to market a business. So this is, you asked before about, you know, do you ever think about going broad? Well, I did. You know, I was, I ended up being a mentor to service-based businesses, helping them attract clients. So gyms, lawyers, accountants, I think I worked with about 140 business owners in 2000 and 2013, 2014. Okay, gotcha. Um, just um, doing private mentoring, you know, eight one-on-one sessions every day. I was exhausted. Yep. Um, and then I had a dance studio owner come to me saying, hey, I hear you doing this mentoring. Could you help us? <laughs> I guess a little light bulb went off then, did it? Yeah, well, it, I was kind of like, oh, my God, I'm so over this industry, you know, because I felt like I'd been a bit burnt by Jersey Boys, um, you know, just that experience there. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I started and I was just like, oh, my God, not only do I love it, but I, I can really help you. Like mm-hmm. I know this industry back to front and I know marketing and I know business. It was like, you know, it, it was like the stars just aligned. Yeah, okay. And, and everything that you'd done before suddenly just made total sense. So was mm-hmm. it at that point then that you said, okay, this I'm going kind of back to my niche but in this new format? Yeah, it took me a year to commit. And so I still remember it. My online, you know, I studied a whole lot of online models because I was like, you know what? Eight one-on-ones every day, five days a week Mm, is tiring. It's not Mm. scalable. It's not leveraged. Like it's it's a pretty difficult model to keep up. Um, And so I was studying like Brendan Burchard and Jeff Walker, you know, guys who have kind of pioneered the online training um, kind of platform. Mm. And I was like, why don't I turn my one-on-one program that I'm teaching dance studio owners into an online program? And that was in August of 2014. Uh, the first kind of iteration of that kind of came out and I was doing webinars and I was like, I was like, oh my God, mom. Like I was ringing my mom like so excited. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just did this, you know, 90 minute like online class and I just sold like $5,000 of my online program. And she's like, that's great. You know, like I've got no idea what you're talking about, but that's amazing. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's how it started. And so that was August and I still had some, I still had my one-on-one clients cause I was, I was like super scared, right? I was scared that there wasn't enough dance studios that I wasn't going to be able to earn enough money. What happens when there's like no more people to buy the program? You know, I, I, yeah. I was thinking all those things, you know? And so um, then in December, I was chatting to one of my friends and I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm going to go like full time 
I'm going to get rid of all my one-on-one clients uh, and I'm just going to work with dance studio owners. Mm. Like that's, that's all I'm going to do. And I'm just going to do 12 months. You know, that was, that was like, so I could commit, but there was like an out for me okay. as well. So give yourself a 12 month kind of test. I'm going to do 12 months to like, but I'm just, I'm going to be a hundred percent in. Cause like I said, I was working with health clubs, accountants, lawyers, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God, like this is like overwhelming. Cause I kind of feel like I need to know a bit about the industry industries as well. You know, like not just here's how to market, but there's specific things about certain industries yep. that can create a, a really big shift and impact when you when you market. And also, that you know, clearly what you've learned is there are people who desperately want someone who's really genuinely, you know, can walk the talk, who's done it, exactly. knows it, knows their industry. Exactly. So here we are a couple of years on and it's looking pretty yep. good. <laughs> Look, I yeah, I, I would say to you, you know, after that 12 months, I was like, I am never going back. You know, it was it was such an amazing, you know, it was such a great 12 months for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because I got the time to, you know, create strategy and marketing plans and really look at our customer experience. And, you know, I was, I was selling it, you know, it was me and my VA at the time. Um, and I, you know, joined a mastermind group, um, quite quickly into kind of starting, starting the online business. And they, what they have really done for me, is they started me thinking about building a business that has a team mm. because I was very much around, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with people like, you know, team members. I just want it to be me and a virtual assistant. And they were like, you can't build a business on that, Clint. And I was like, yeah, I can. And I was very, I was wrong very quickly. So what, as, what, what does your team look like today then? What so do you- my team, yeah, sure. So my team looks like, uh, so I sit in the, in the CEO seat mm-hmm. and then we have a marketing and events director who looks after, you know, marketing, marketing and events. We yeah. all love events. The clues uh, in the name. Then we have a customer success director who looks after everything to do with customer service and also all of our content for our association. So one of our offerings is our $47 a month um, subscription. Uh, We have 600 members in that group. And, you know, that there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, giving them great customer service, making sure they're achieving results and putting together the content that they get every single month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a project manager and she uh, reports to our marketing and events director. So helps with logistics around the event, uh, you know, our events, logistics around email campaigns. Uh, and then we have a team assistant. So that's like our full time team. Yeah, okay. That's a nice, uh, that's a nice little size team. It's a beautiful, and they are the, you know, we work really hard, uh, and it has taken me a lot of um, reading books, going to workshops, mentoring sessions for me to really step into the leadership role, and I'm, yep. I'm still learning every single day. Um, and at the beginning, it was very, very challenging because I'm. Uh, you can ask my mum. I'm pretty impatient, <laughs> and so I, I've had I've had to really grow a lot bringing a team on board, and I've also had to learn how to let go. Yeah. Um, well, look, thanks for the offer of asking your mum. I'll I'll think about that one. 
<laughs> I'm seeing her today for lunch, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, I'll ring in and ask her as well. So, look, it's it, fantastic story, and you've you've got to this point now where you clearly have built a business, and you're you're um, very focused on the direction. You've mm-hmm. absolutely kind of nailed everything into into this this dance niche. And how big is that? I mean, are you talking? You you're promoting now to the world. You're not. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's not just Australia, and I. You know, there's just over. This is under five and a half thousand dance studios in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so when I quickly did the maths, I was I was like, that's not that's not going to be enough. Right. You know, and you know the USA they have thirty two thousand. Uh, sixty percent of our members uh, come from the USA. So we have a big, a big following in the USA. I spend about half of the year there at the moment, um, you know, running events, speaking at at, at different events, um, you know, because there's a bigger population mm. and, and dance does, is huge there. Does anybody sort of bat an eyelid that you're Australian? The business is from Australia. Does that come into the dialogue anywhere or not really? No, not not really. And no. I think it as well. Because, you know, running a dance studio is running a dance studio and everyone is facing the same challenges. Everyone wants more students. Everyone doesn't want to be teaching 100 hours a week and also doing admin at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Everyone wants to be able to put their kids, you know, to bed at night. Everyone wants to be able to retain, you know, wants to build a great team. So the challenges are the same. And there's a couple of differences. Seasons, we call them, you know, we have terms in Australia. Yeah. They work by months. Their season starts around end of August, beginning of September. Then they have summer off, their summer off. Um, so there's a couple of differences, but I was well aware of them when I obviously have created sure. this offering. So I can speak, I can speak to both of them. Yeah. So and they like the fact, you know, when I speak, they're like, oh, my God, you're Australian. You know, like right. like the, the Americans love the Australian accent. Yeah. So uh, we've never had, uh, you know, we've never had any issues. We might have occasionally at the beginning when we were basically unknown, which really was only two years ago. Um, you know, does this apply for my, you know, does this apply to my dance studio because you're Australian? Yeah, you okay. Know, but not Simple questions. And I, yeah, and I've no doubt just, in the... Just a handful, but I mean, you know, the, the proofs in the you know, yeah. once they come to a webinar or they do one of our two-week online trainings or they see me speak in an event, they'll make a decision quickly, you know, whether I'm the right person to help them, you know, grow their business. Yeah, got you. Fantastic. And look, um, where can, where's the best place for listeners to go just to really get a sense of or to look at what you do? I know you have a number of websites. Where's the best place do you think um, we should So, yeah, our main website is dancestudioownersassociation.com. And, okay. and that kind of lists, you know, it's got all our content on there. It, it showcases, you know, what we do, what we sell. Um, yeah, so that's... Okay. And look, and I think, uh, I think this, it's been a... a you know, wonderful to be able to talk with you because I think what it shows, and I'm not suggesting that many people listening are going to want to go into your space, but mm. your path to it and your focus and how you've had, you have kind of meandered off in, in directions and followed sort of bright lights every now and again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all come back and it's, it's, and then you, the fact that you've had the courage to, you know, embrace something you didn't know how big it was going to be. Um, you said that okay, I'll give it twelve months. Great sort of way to do it. I love that your comment about 
not looking for something that's totally new but you know doing something a whole lot better than other people are doing it mm-hmm. and the and the way that you you know your customers kind of heartbeat is at the core of your values and what you do i think it's fabulous so look a final question to you and i know we could talk for ages and i think i'm, <laughs> I'm just going to have to talk to you again uh get you back in the future but where to next you know what how old are you now uh so i'm 31 i just okay. turned 31 in may Right. Um, and so what we've noticed, I've noticed over the last 12 months is there are a lot of, there's a lot of people coming into this education space for dance studio owners. There was a couple when I started in the space, um, and now there's a lot more in the space. So, you know, and a lot of my friends are doing, you know, what I'm doing as well, and, and they're doing a great job and there's enough studio owners to go around. But what I, what I had to really look at this year when we were planning for 2017 is like, is really like where to next. So mm. one of the great things I'm really excited about, which we launch next month is we've partnered with baby ballet, which is the UK's <laughs> largest, um, franchise for preschool dance. They what, a, have, what a great name. They have 70 um, franchisees. I've known Claire, the owner and founder, for a couple of years now. And we've been chatting for a couple of years about bringing baby ballet to Australia and so Australia and New Zealand. And so we're selling that as a licensed program uh, where dance studio owners can buy the license and they can put into their existing dance studio the baby ballet preschool um, dance programs. Fantastic. Um, so you're broadening your market by getting much younger kids kind of in into the uh into the into your environment i guess well yeah well basically you know the target market is exactly the same they're dance studio owners right so we already have the database we've built the trust and credibility uh you know here you know and i've been a part of dance here you know for a very long time and Mm. so you know taking uh you know my knowledge uh, marketing business background, bringing Claire's curriculum essentially over eighteen months to six year uh, six year olds. It's four, um, and then our studio owners that we talk to. We're running five events over November and December about building a preschool uh, dance department, just to get people aware of you know Claire and the brand. Um, and then we'll, um, you know, we'll scale that, that licensing business. Um, so I'm super, I'm super excited for that. And then we're also, uh, we're also just about to announce, um, we're launching, um, a production and event production arm of the business. And that's going to be bringing high, high profile choreographers, um, out from the US to Australia to run big kind of masterclasses. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, again, straight to the studio owner and yep. they can bring along um, their students. So we have our first big event um, in February. So I'm, I'm really pumped. I'm really pumped for that as well. And then, like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't believe I, that's – I don't think that's it is ever a for phrase. For now, like for, yeah, for okay. next year. You know, for next year – like that's it. But I've done two, you know, I, I kind of rewarded myself. I was like, you know what? I did that first year. I was like, I'm going to take another year to kind of solidify what we're doing in the education space. We've got a good thing going there. I've got a good team that, that runs the day to day of that business. 
And so it was the right, it's definitely the right time to introduce the preschool dance program because it's very, very hot at the moment, preschool dance. Um, And the great thing is people are not going to stop having babies (laughs) and they're going to all keep wanting, you know, their children to go into ballet classes. You know, every kind of parent pitches their little girl and boy, you know, going to dance class. Um, And so that's not going to be taken over by a robot or a self-driving car or anything. You know what I mean? True. Um, well, look, yes, I'm going that's, to. That's, that's well, where I'm at. That's fantastic. And I can just tell how excited and passionate you are about what you're doing. So it's, again, yeah, terrific. You've got your niche and you're constantly, because you're in it and living and breathing it, you're constantly seeing opportunities, which I just think is, is fantastic. So, look. Please um, give your mum a hug from us and have a lovely <laughs> have a lovely lunch with her today. And uh, Clint thank Salter, you. thank you very much for spending your time with Flying Solo. I'm so pleased that you came to our event all those years ago. So am I. Yeah, it's terrific. <laughs> and uh, thank you again for spending your time with us. Thanks, Rob. It's such a pleasure. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 